Hey everyone, and welcome to the I'll Take a Glass podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Preston. No matter what's in it, grab a glass. And And let's let's do do life together. Thanks again for joining us this week, friends. Before we get started, we just wanted to say before the start of the podcast that our heart's greatest desire is to have honest conversations. And the mission of this podcast is to do it with friends, but also to have these honest conversations with love and with grace. And so we ask that as you listen to this episode, that you would do so with an open mind as we have tried to do in recording it. And we just hope that it inspires you and and that it brings awareness, but also that you know our hearts behind it. So we thank you for listening. Let's jump into it. Yo, and we are back with a another episode of the podcast. This one uh, definitely near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are going to do our best and trying to provide some clarity, some context, Um and just kind of introduce you to the life of exactly what it looks like to be a coach and a teacher. And how to support that. Um, and then how to support that in mm-hmm. our schedules and uh, your kids and all the, all the all those things. Yep. Right. So in light of talking about coaching and teaching today, mm-hmm. um, when you go to a game. Obviously, like you go to the game, you go to the baseball game, baseball park, whatever. You go to a football game. You're going to go to the concession stand. It's a mm-hmm. must. You're getting a hot dog, right? My question is, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. You're saying a hot dog is a sandwich. I mean, I don't really know the true definition of a sandwich, but it's meat between two pieces of bread. So, yeah. Okay, that's all it takes for you. Boom, meat between two pieces of bread, sandwich. But is a hot dog bun two pieces of bread? It can be. I I never get those things. Unless I have the split top, I never get those things to not rip. So I would say yes. But by design, it's one piece of bread. So what are you saying? It's it's between two slices, though? I'm I'm just providing some question to your thesis okay well apparently everybody disagreed with me with the soup thing so let's figure this one out because i'm saying it's a sandwich i don't know how else you would define a hot dog outside of just saying it's a hot dog like is a hot dog in a league of its own like is it its own little section i'm just i mean have an opinion stop dancing the line here have an opinion stick to it let's build a house on that foundation my house is built on it's a sandwich okay because it is meat inside of one piece of bread (laughs) it's meat with it's meat between bread so let's just say that it didn't have to be one piece but it's between like people talk about oreo cookie sandwiches and all that like how is an oreo cookie a sandwich oh it doesn't have meat in it though so so I guess Holly, <laughs> we're building a house on sand here, people. <laughs> Same thing sand- here. Okay, here I'm saying it's a sandwich because it is one item smushed between two of the same. All right, so we have a pizza place, Fat Boys Pizza, mm-hmm. not far. Make huge. They sell pizza, I guess, New York style by the slice. Right. Right. That's a giant slice of pizza. If I fold my pizza in half to eat it. I have now made a pizza sandwich. No. 
You didn't put anything because new in between. Those, it's just folded. It's the it's, same thing folded. It's all of the items on my pizza. You didn't put anything no, thing. but you didn't put anything new in the middle. Like there's nothing defining. There's the nothing middle? defining the split or the fold. Like nothing to in between yeah, the fold. The sauce, the cheese, the toppings. But it's supposed to be that way. I'm saying no to that. Right. But you know what? I don't see you giving your little opinion and building okay, your house so on then nothing. Based on your theory, how is a hot dog as a sandwich different than a hard shell taco or a soft shell taco? This is requiring too much of me. So are those sandwiches? <laughs> this is requiring too is much of me. Is a quesadilla sandwich? Uh, no, it's a quesadilla. You know what? It's a hot dog. We're just going to go with that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's too much. It's too much. All right. <laughs> I would say a hot dog is in a different category than a sandwich. I would not put it in the sandwich category. No way I'm saying it's a sandwich. Okay. Well, you know what? We don't even eat hot dogs enough to have this conversation in this kind of depth. So <laughs> I don't care what topic it's in or what subject it's in. It's still edible. And I do like food. So we're going to go with that. It's all the same when I eat it in my belly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as P mentioned, we are talking about teachers and coaches. We are going to try to be as careful with our words as we can, because we really are just doing this to provide perspective um, in hopes that people will understand what it looks like in a day, the day in life of a teacher and a coach, but also to provide more support like we talked about, because this is not new information. Teachers and coaches, there's like a huge shortage. People are leaving the profession left and right. Um, and I have a few theories as to why, but I know why um, most people say they're leaving and I get it. Like they get more time with their families and make more money with less time to give working to, toward whatever it is that they have to do for their job. That's mainly what people have told me. Right, right. You can make more money in other places and not have to work as much. Right. And then um, the other side of that is there's a lot of coaches leaving and it's kind of the same situation. So, right. Um, how about you hash out a little bit of what it looks like? You you can hash out what it looks like to be a coach and a teacher, like just a normal day. Well, I don't want to even say a normal day, but kind of so gives like a day in the life of yeah. like high school football has started, day in the life of a coach. Yeah, any coach, not just football. Like, But yeah, we can do football gotcha. since you're a football yeah, coach. Yeah, make it personal. Yeah. Right. Go for it. So our school day starts at 8.15. Um the teachers are expected to be at the school by 7.30 every day. Um, so a normal day, I usually take the youngest two to daycare. So I'm up about 5 o'clock, 5.15, getting ready. Uh, wake them up around 5.45-ish um, because we have got to be out of the house by 6.40. We're not out of the house by 6:40. We will not. I will not make it to school by 7:30, just in taking them, getting them dropped off and set up at daycare. So we're out of the house by 6:40. Um, I'm dropping them off at their uh, daycare, um, getting up to the school, uh, and then day starts as just normal, regular school day. Probably how everyone listening to this experienced high school or experiences high school go through my teaching load. Uh, sprinkle some athletics in there. So I'll have an athletic period um, in the halfway through the day. The rest of those I'm teaching classes. 
and then uh, finish the day in athletics. That's our freshman athletic period. And then from there, we're straight into practice. Uh, so we're after school practice. So our school day, our final bell rings at 340. Um, and so we go straight into practice from there. Uh, kids are getting down there. We're hurrying up and getting them changed so we can get out on the field. We practice, depending on the day, uh, for about two and a half hours, two, two hours. Um, and so we start practice about 415 we're usually walking off the field somewhere between 6.30 to 6.45. Um, and then at that point, it's about getting all the kids inside changed and coaches cannot leave until all kids are out of the building and in vehicles going home. Mm -hmm. um, if any of the kids are hanging out, we're up there hanging out until they're home. And then in a lot of times, like we will meet then as a staff or whatever after kids leave. Um, so I'm usually in my vehicle headed home around 745, 8 o'clock on mm -hmm. practice nights, um, getting home in time to kiss babies and get them down and see them for just a second and mm -hmm. then uh, hang out with Tay, hang out with you. And then it's rinse, wash, repeat. Same mm -hmm. thing the next day. Game night obviously is longer. I won't get home till everybody's in bed, even the home games, close games. And then uh, Saturdays and Sundays, I'm working both of those days too. Both of those are, are essentially half days, but uh, working the morning of Saturday and then the evening of Sunday. Uh, and so that's what a week looks like. It gets a little bit better better outside of football season uh, in terms of the time. Still the same morning process, but I'm not getting home as late. Usually home after workout or whatever we've got after school. Usually home a lot closer, about 5, 530. Mm -hmm. um, and then summer is way lighter, way less demanding, but still demands. Uh, Monday through Thursday, we're up at the school from about 8 to noon. Uh, about so 7:30 to noon and we're working our kids out summer strength and conditioning getting ready for football season in the fall mm -hmm. clinics camps all that stuff happens in the summer all right like this summer i've worked every single day this yep. past summer so um yeah that, i mean that's pretty much the gist of it the game nights like you have alluded to are super long so um, and then that's the coaching side of it. So coaches pretty much are working. And then you get home and you have to watch film and you're doing scout team stuff. Like you're doing all of that because that's what's going to help make us successful mm -hmm. and our team successful. But teachers get home and they're grading. And mind you, coaches still have to teach. So it's not like we're just like we don't have other responsibilities. Right. Like we have what depending on what subject area we're in or if you're in special education, you have caseloads and you have things like that that you have to prepare for. So like we're working all kinds of hours. And so there's a high de demand from us on a daily basis. Yeah, a lot and, of expectation. Right. And you have to meet those because that's your job. But I also have had to put boundaries around stuff, which we'll talk about later in the episode. I've had to put boundaries up because we have our, a family of our own. Right. And so, like, it is, yeah, it's my responsibility to invest in kids and things like that because that's what I decided to do as a coach and a teacher. But also I got to invest in my own. And sometimes, like, I think people expect – 
getting into kind of the nitty gritty, people expect like immediate answers when it comes to emails and stuff like that. And I'm like, whoa, like for at the beginning, I basically set a standard and say, like, I'll get back to you as soon as I can, but I will not respond after a certain time during the day. And that's because I had to put up boundaries because that's what my family needs from me. And they're the most important thing in my life. And so I basically have had to do that and set up those boundaries to say from the jump, from the beginning, like you get until I start earlier, you get till three o'clock and then I'll respond as soon as I can the next day that we're at school. Yeah. Because that's a boundary I have to put in place to make sure that I'm giving my family what they need. So, I mean, it's high demands, um, which I'm, I feel like most professions are like, that's part of it, which is why it requires you to set boundaries. And then also I feel like there's a side of it that requires people to respect those boundaries too. Right. And so no doubt. Um, I will say before we continue, if you hear nothing else on this podcast, I like this episode, I want you to hear from two educators and two coaches. Like if you are a parent listening to this, Mm -hmm. we want nothing more than to see your child succeed, Mm -hmm. whatever success looks like. Whether that is on the field, whether that is in the classroom, whether that is preparing for post-secondary, um, like Randall, we have uh, the high school I work at. We have welding programs. We have agriculture and business programs. We have uh, culinary classes. We have all these different things that maybe it's not college. Maybe it's preparing for trade school. Maybe it's preparing for the army mm-hmm. or the military, right? Um, whatever your co- your your child deems as their mark of success the goals that they have we want that for them mm-hmm. um, that's why we are in this profession right um and like that is the biggest thing you need to hear like we're i think sometimes it can get lost in translation that oh this teacher's just out to get kids or out to get me like i think at the end of the day all layers off like I, the bottom line foundation is we want to see your specific kids succeed. Right. I would say most teachers and coaches that I know want that. Like I haven't really met. I don't know that I can't think of anybody that I've met that just gets in it just for the fun of it. Cause you don't just get into this just because it's something you can do with your time. Like you, right. like you truly want to invest in kids. Like most, most people do. I will say that now there's rare cases, um, yeah. but just even then, like kind of inserting my parental experience, I had to like there was a situation with Blakeland and a teacher and I tried to take a few steps back and didn't say anything. And then at one point I kind of was like, all right, like I'm addressing this, like I'm going to step in and say something. Now, granted, she's pre-K at the time, so she needs someone to advocate for her. But I had to kind of check myself after and go okay, like once I, instead of like coming to the teacher the way that I should have, I sent an email. Like to me, that was mistake number one. Because when it comes to your own kids, like you're protective over them. That's what you do. Right. And so I think, I think when I take the time to just meet with her instead and to hear her perspective, like what I ultimately learned is that she was really trying to guide her and provide her the social skills and the skills that she needs to be successful in life. And she was doing it not in a way that I necessarily do it, but in a way that was still helping her and building her up. And so I had to go, okay, as a parent, like it is my job instead to, also teach 
Blakeland how to advocate for herself and to this extent there's a level of it with her age but I have to help her understand like there are going to be ways that she experiences life and in different ways that people teach her that but as long as they're building her up and lifting her up it may not be the outcome that she wants but there is still a level of learning perspective right. in that and I think that that comes down to like people's methodologies are different yeah and so we we all want the same end goal but the way that i get there might be different than the way that you get there it might be different than the way that he or she gets there mm -hmm. right and so i think that that's what this kind of boils down to is like sometimes there's a clash just in methodologies and if we could take a step back from mm -hmm. that and say all right even though the method is different our end goal is the same it might be beneficial that not everybody is teaching or instructing the exact same way or the way that you do it or yeah exactly yeah, so, yeah. and yeah. so they're they're like just being exposed to different ways of teaching and things of that nature is beneficial and so yeah. um i think that's the i think that's one of the one of the big fallouts or kind of miscommunication areas is it's just a difference in methodologies. Yeah. And that's not saying that one way is better than another. And that's not saying that as a parent, you don't have the, you shouldn't have the right or opinions or whatever um, on how, like what's appropriate or inappropriate or what have you with how your kid is being instructed. I'm just saying, I, like for me, at least, like I want to see your kid succeed. Yeah. And part of it too is, kind of coming from the side of, like you said, there's different methods and perspective, but that's a reason why I don't want to coach our girls until they get to high school, because I want them to experience what it's like to be coached under different people and to mm -hmm. handle hard things and to build them up and to teach them how to handle those because they may not get the playing time that they want, but I've got to teach them how to get there. They may not get the grade that they wanted, but I've got to teach them how to earn that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? No, no. And so, and that's the other thing too, like just coming from that perspective, I spent a lot of time preparing to be a high school teacher and coach. Like I've put myself in positions, I've invested and spent a ton of hours in growing myself as a teacher, growing myself as a coach, making sure I have the certification, making sure I have the experience, like having the correct mentors to help me with that. Like I put a lot of time into this. I've not put a lot of time into being a preschool teacher. So the way that she was handling it was honestly beneficial for that age because right. she had put the time into it. And so I had to go like, I can't, while we might be in the same profession, I can't sit here and speak to what she should be doing because I didn't put the time into that right. kind of, into that area, into that profession. Like, it's the same reason I'm not going to call somebody else up at a company or whatever and be like, you should be running your logistics this way. It's like, I don't know what I'm talking about in that way. Like, I'm, I haven't put right. the time into it. No doubt. And so I had to take a step back and go, okay, what are ways that she and I can partner together? Because in sitting down and talking to her, and in that meeting, I stepped into the meeting saying, okay, I'm gonna to try to give her the benefit of a doubt. And in doing that and changing my mindset before that meeting, she was able to give me perspective to change, to help me understand that it was a partnership. And we talked about solutions and how to partner together mm -hmm. rather than me painting this picture that she's the enemy trying to do something like that's harmful to my kid. Like that wasn't the case. Yeah. And you were in that meeting with me and so there was a support system in that way too. And so I think that's super important is to understand, like at least for me as a parent, I'm speaking as a parent at this point, like not even as a coach or a teacher, to say, 
I have to give the give that teacher the benefit of the, the doubt from the beginning and then take the necessary steps to find a solution. And if we still don't get there, then okay. Like I can look into other options. Right. But while this episode is to bring some perspective on our side of things, I also think it's important for us to make sure we are addressing how teachers and coaches can partner with parents too, and not just make it seem like we're one-sided, but we are coming from both perspectives because we both are parents and uh, we both are coaches and teachers. And so just some things that we have also discussed in terms of how coaches and teachers can partner with parents is one, like you mentioned um, before, and I'm sure you'll speak to later in this episode, is just honoring timelines of parents and understanding that um, there's an element to where they have things as well. So we want to honor them in that regard when it comes to coaching and just events. Another thing in both sides of it is just being willing to listen. I think as coaches specifically, and even as teachers, there's a specific vision that we have and it is up to us to communicate that vision and push that vision and so I think we still need to take the time to listen to parents and their concerns and if it doesn't line up with the vision it doesn't and you know that's our job and our role is to make sure that we are pushing our programs and things like that toward the vision but at the end of the day parents sometimes just want to be heard most of the time they just want to be heard and so I think that is something else that we have to do is just be open-minded and listening to their concerns and trying to address those concerns in a respectable way and then something else is just making sure we're communicating Um, I know that as a parent and even as a professional, I try to make sure I'm communicating. And so we want to make sure that as coaches and teachers, we are communicating with parents, whether good or bad. Um, Just like we want to hear good things, parents want to hear good things. And so it's nothing for us to just send out a quick email or like I said, make a quick phone call to say, hey, so-and-so is doing awesome. Um, And that just kind of builds that relationship in an intangible way. And then I also alluded to this, but just making sure that we're empathizing with parents when we can and just understanding that they want the best for their kid but we also have to help them we have a role and responsibility to help those kids handle hard things to help them navigate things to help them advocate for themselves and partnering with parents to do that and I think last but not least in this is parents and coaches and teachers we all have to remember that it is our job and our role to keep what's best for the kid first and so we've got to set our own agendas aside as parents we have to set our own agendas aside as coaches and teachers and understand that we have a role to serve the kids and to put their needs first and so I think that's one other thing that we can do Um, but I'm sure we'll speak to more of this and elaborate as well as we continue the episode I, I think that's really where the disconnect is. And a lot of coaches and teachers, like, I feel like just the amount of emails and stuff we get, it's like just wanting to give people the benefit of the doubt and wanting people to give me the benefit of a doubt. Like I work super hard in both areas. Like I really put a lot of time into it. And so imagine putting so much time into it. And then it's like, there are times where the picture is painted that I could, like, I'm not doing my my job right and there's so many more elements to it or or like you said a second ago all the preparation that you've done to put yourself in the position that you're in today and every move you make or every decision that you make you're getting questioned right right Right. and that's just difficult right no that's hard and and so i've really had to figure out what that looks like 
from a teaching and a coaching perspective and how to respond in a way that's like, hey, I'm for your kid. Like, I I will always be for your kid. But also having a kind of a, in a sense, an empathetic side to me of saying, I get it. Like, I'm yeah. a parent. Like, right. I understand. Right. Right. This is what I want for my kid, too. I want, I want the people who are investing in our kids' lives to have their best interests in mind. That's absolutely what I want. So I get that aspect of it, right. too. And so it's kind of merging the two together of saying, okay, listen, this is what I want. I want the best for your kid, but also these are the boundaries that I have. Mm-hmm. And let's work together rather than working against each other. Yeah. But that's true for any profession, I would say. Yeah. I mean, so um, I heard, you have something uh, else to add to that? Yeah, I heard one just in talking in coaching circles one of the coaches i know said uh that there's two jobs in america that everybody feels that they can do better than the person doing it high school coaches and the president Mm. and so if you take time to think about that like whatever your profession is i bet it doesn't get questioned near as much as yeah. What I call on a Friday night during a game. Right. Right. Everybody in the stands, everybody involved, everybody watching thinks that they can do a better job than I can. And then obviously the president, like everybody constantly questions the president. But and that's kind of a like a obviously lighthearted joke or whatever, but there is some truth to it. And so yeah. um I think that like from here, I guess the direction where we're headed is like first off we like we want to partner with parents mm-hmm. right and so as educators like like we said we want to see your your child succeed mm-hmm. and in doing that we want to partner with you because we experience your kid if it's if if there's no athletics no extracurricular no anything for 8 hours a day if there's anything extra i mean it can be 10 12 15, 18 mm-hmm. hours in a given day, right? And so in spending that much time with your kids um, or just the next generation in general, if you don't have high school students or you don't have kids at all or anything, right? Um, like that, we want, we want to come alongside and partner with you because we are going to spend so much time with them. Right. And so... Uh, I guess we're going to kind of lay out some of the ways that we feel um, that like the partnership can just be better yeah. right? or that can run smoothly from a teaching side, the educator side and from the home side. Mm-hmm. And also kind of provide teachers some ways that we've set some boundaries and how to help them too yeah. and advocate. So I would say that the first thing as a, just a support system and you don't just have to be a parent, but someone who might be in the community of teacher. I mean, everybody lives in a community where there's a school like step number one is just providing emotional support in my mind. And the way that you do that is to me, um, like there are different ways, there are different ways to do that. But for me, when I think about just emotional support is just saying, Hey, I like even, if you see something good in a teacher just saying, hey, I see you and I appreciate you, like something simple like that, like support, like I feel like can serve yeah. as an emotional support um, for a teacher. Um, and the other thing is like we've been talking about just giving them the benefit of a doubt and saying, hey, like I, I want to I just have a few questions that I want to ask some gain clarification instead of just coming in hot. Like, right. I would say that's that's probably one for sure. Yeah, I would say another big way is. 
be an active voting participant in your area. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just in general, but as it relates to education as well, go vote, go vote in your county, go vote in your state, uh, because representation matters. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, obviously we are public educators, so we are going to vote on the side of public education every time. And so that is resources, that is job opportunities, that is upgrades, and it just allows educators to do their job more effectively and efficiently. And so we are going to vote that way, and and we would ask you to just go vote, Mm -hmm. right? So I think every however many years or every year, your school district, your community, your area will have a different bond proposals, uh, things of that nature. That is all to increase and build up and uh, help better your child's educational system experience, whether that is or your community, whether that is um, upgraded or better schooling equipment, um, things in the classroom, building, Mm -hmm. it's safety, um, it's athletics, it's uh, just all things like things you can't you don't even think about like all things education it is Mm -hmm. just to make education better in your specific area yeah and uh so that that's just one of the biggest ways is just go vote and it it takes hardly any time at all um go go out and be an active voter in your community yeah I would also say, like, if you own a business and you have a resource or you have um, things that you could donate to the school, like, um, or that you could provide the school, those kinds of resources, um, there are people listening who might be counselors. Like, you could, like, give, you know, I don't know, discounted uh, counseling opportunities. I don't know. But there are ways that you can be creative to help teachers be and to help kids in general and so donating resources um businesses that you might own and it doesn't have to just be it doesn't have to be money it could be just resources that you have available to you people hear the word donate and naturally think oh they're asking for money we're not yeah like if that's what you have to offer that's what you have to offer right i mean the biggest thing donate yourself like give yourself to a volunteer opportunity or whatever it is uh again that's just being active in the community yeah um or if a teacher has like a, I've seen and I've done this like an Amazon classroom wish list, like that's a way that you could help to provide because the ultimately that that helps the kids. Um, that's a step. Attending events like community events, those are big deals because those are fundraiser opportunities a lot of times for different right. programs and that helps build up the community and the kids um, and just showing your appreciation. And again, it doesn't have to be in a monetary form, but I mean, it's a simple email goes a long way. A simple phone call goes a long way of just saying, hey, I see you and I appreciate you. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. And so showing your appreciation in that way. And um, just understanding, too, I would say, like, having grace for teachers and understanding that, like, we have families, too. Because I think a lot of times people want us to be on their timeline. And there's an element to that where you got to understand that we have families, too, that we're trying to invest in and to yeah. make sure that we're yeah. giving our you, time you to. You definitely are hitting on the one that is a bit, like, probably the biggest one for me personally. Yeah. Um, you want to elaborate a little bit on it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm. it's just big because, so like, just to be very personal and give you, a, again, even a more of a deep dive into my life as a coach and teacher. So 
Uh, we have it broken up as a football staff where we take shifts. And so different weeks after practice, the offensive staff or the defensive staff will stay. So it's the group of six, seven coaches will stay after school mm-hmm. or after practice and wait on every kid to get picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to never fail that there will be a handful of kids that are at the school an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes two and three hours, no joke, after practice, right? Mm -hmm. And we cannot leave until kids leave. We cannot leave kids there unattended. And you can't take them home. Not supposed to take them home, right? And so I think sometimes the expectation is, oh, well, somebody will bring my kid home, right? But it just, it, like it negatively impacts the adults that okay so again making it personal for me there have been nights in a season where i really don't get a whole lot of time at home with my family Mm -hmm. that i'm supposed to see my kids before they go to bed i'm supposed to be home in time to get a little bit of play time and a little and like read a book and put them down but i'm not and i miss that because I'm sitting at the school with someone else's child that they're not there. And I get like circumstances and crazy things happen. I get it. But it's two and a half hours after practice. Mm -hmm. And so now I've missed out on my family tonight because nobody came to get this kid. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think just honoring timelines is another huge one. Honoring timelines, especially as it relates to extracurriculars, whether that is making sure kids get where they're supposed to be on time so that buses can leave or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like in my second sport, I'm a track coach. There are times that we have to leave really early because our track meet is a little bit of a distance away and you have to get checked in and meetings start at a certain time Mm -hmm. and you got to be on time, get camp set up all the whole nine, right? Well, the bus has got to leave on time, right? You don't make up a whole lot of ground on a bus. Mm -hmm. And so it goes as fast as it goes. And so honoring timelines, I would say, is one of the biggest ways I feel like I would be supported as a coach. Yeah. And it does affect, like, more than just that person, but also to the extent that, like, it puts us in a bad situation because we can't, you don't want to leave a kid up there. Right. Like that, I mean, at that point, like, and then you, ha- like, there's procedures behind it where you have to call certain people. Like, it's a whole so thing. So here is in the state of Texas, I can't speak for every state. In the state of Texas, here is what is supposed to happen after X amount of minutes of a child not being picked up after practice. What is supposed to happen is, the coach responsible for waiting calls the district police. Mm-hmm. The district police then drive to get the child. The child rides home in a police car and then CPS report gets filed because now the child is left. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they were left in a place they weren't supposed to be because practice is over. Nobody came to get them. So now a CPS report gets written. As coaches, we don't want that. Right. And so it's so much easier to try to accommodate and find a ride with another with another athlete but that is what's supposed to happen and i know especially like in a crazy situation or a crazy circumstance type of deal like you don't want a cps report getting written because whatever happened and you weren't able to get your kid right so 
Um, that's, that's what I would say is the biggest thing for me is honoring timelines. And I know that that's twofold. Mm -hmm. I know that there are coaches that go way over timeline. And now parents, you've been sitting in a parking lot for 45 Mm -hmm. minutes waiting on my kid to get out. And I'm still looking at them on the field, but coach, you told me five 30 was when they were getting done and six 15, they're outside still. Mm -hmm. Like I've got things I got to do. I got places I've got to be. I know that that's twofold. Right. And so I don't just say that in terms of make sure you get your kid on time. I'm saying in this profession, timelines have to get honored better. In yeah. My opinion. Yeah. I would say for teachers and coaches listening to this, I would say have hard cutoffs. I've started trying to implement that, making sure that at a specific time, I'm not working past that time. I get what I can get done. And it's because that's a way for me to honor my family and really for me to honor myself. And I can't be the healthiest version of me. And I can't be the healthiest version that I need to be in order to be successful in the profession to a certain extent if I don't have those hard cutoffs. And so I would say that I would say set up boundaries, whatever that looks like for you. For me, it's just saying from the beginning, being upfront with the parents I interact with saying, this is the time I respond. This is why this is because I have a family as well. And just saying, let's partner together. I want to do what's best for your kid. But if it's an emergency here, emergency contacts that you can reach out to. But for me, it's saying the like being upfront with them from the beginning of what that looks like for me, because I have a family too. Um, and then understanding too, that sometimes as teachers and coaches, it's going to require us to put our heads down and work more than we want to at times, but just making sure that we're finding boundary or defining boundaries that way too, and offsetting some of that and making sure that priorities stay priorities and we're investing in those areas in our life. But ultimately I would say that we're both in this because I like, I left the profession and came back to it. And I talk about all the time, like the feeling that I get on a game night or um, just being in the profession in general. Like I love kids and I love this profession. And so I'm in it for the right reasons. I know you're in it for the right reasons. And a lot of coaches and teachers are. But I just think we can do a better job as a society of partnering together and giving each other grace and the benefit of a doubt and letting us do our jobs. But also coaches and teachers, like it's on us to set boundaries, too. And it's on us to say, like, here, like to to set boundaries in a way that's going to help us to remain healthy in both regards. So, mm-hmm. and everybody has that, like boundaries are good. Everybody sets those. And so I just think we really have to be careful um, in that area too. Um, but I would say, I mean, that's pretty much what I have. Um, I hope, we hope that this helped provide perspective more than anything mm-hmm. and helped uh, kind of, we hope we shared our hearts enough for you and the people listening to understand like we love this profession we love kids we love doing what we do um and it's just easier to do what we do when we feel like we have the support and the resources available to us um Mm -hmm. as any profession is that way and just hoping that people listening to this can understand how to better support and partner how we as teachers and coaches can better partner with each other and support one another too um, and so I, I, we hope that this was helpful um, and that you got something out of it. So yep. we'll see you next week. Uh, check out our blog posts in relation to this and we'll get with you next Thursday. Peace. That's it for our show today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and share this episode with a friend. Tune in next week for more fun and connection. In the meantime, don't forget to visit our website, view our blog and connect with us on social media throughout the week. Don't forget to fill your glass this week. 
share this episode with a friend and invite them to have a glass with us. We can't wait to hang out with you again. This episode is brought to you by Rambo Media. Thanks for tuning in.